0: what the actual fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians yours truly sammy previtt owner of fine food freedom and jenna warner owner of happy strong healthy we can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body Try, learn, and grow. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. Jenna and I are laughing because apparently Zoom just launched a new feature today <laughs> where it's like recording in progress. And I like, it like startled. Do you, th- do you think they could hear that? Like, no way, Can Jose.
1: people listening hear that? No. no? Okay. Because no. it's like recording pops up and then it says <laughs> that. It really caught me off guard today.
0: <laughs> if it is in this audio, then that's hilarious. Because I'm like, no, it would never be. And then it probably is. Um, But anyways, we just wrapped up an interview with Dr. Lindo Bacon. Uh, Dr. (laughs) Lindo Bacon is a researcher and former professor, and for nearly two decades has taught courses in social justice, health, weight, and nutrition. Dr. Bacon holds a PhD in physiology with a specialty in nutrition, a master's degree in psychology, and exercise metabolism. Dr. Bacon has mined their deep academic proficiency, their clinical experience, and their personal experience writing two best-selling books. Take it away, Jen. Every
1: size, <laughs> health at every size: the surprising truth about your weight, and co-authored *Body Respect*: what the conventional, what conventional health books get wrong, leave out, or just plain fail to understand about weight. Their newly released book, *Radical Belonging*: how to survive and thrive in an unjust world while transforming it for the better, takes their inspiring message beyond size to shaping a culture of empathy, equity, and true belonging. Um, yeah, I mean. I think this speaks for itself why we can't even string words together right now because we just interviewed Lindo Bacon. <laughs> yes. Like I
0: remember reading Lindo's work years ago when I was like straddling the diet culture fence with intuitive eating. And then I, you know, stumbled upon Health at Every Size. And it's just wild that we're having conversations with them because their work is like, it's like the everything. everything. <laughs> like it, it's, it's changed our profession. It's changed us as humans. And Jenna and I haven't fully gotten through their their newest book, Radical Radical Belonging, before the interview. But I already know that this book, like, is going to change my life. Like I already know it. So
1: it's really hard to put down. Um, I mentioned before we started recording that I've been reading it while I give Noah his bottle in the morning. He he drinks that bottle way too fast because I haven't gotten through as much as I wanted to, but it is, it's just, it's beautifully written. And it's something that like we discussed in this episode, it mixes science with a personal journey and includes vulnerability and relatability. I don't even know if that's a word, but I think it is, but things that as human beings we can relate to. And it makes it so that you feel a part of something, um, which was a big theme of this episode and really just so powerful.
0: And I love that you just brought that up. And I know Lindo brought that up in the interview, but of how well they do that with the Mm -hmm. research and then making it, applicable. And I think that's what, when we look at health at every size, when we look at intuitive eating practitioners, that's, that's the magic, right? Because mm-hmm. if, if you can't make it understandable to people, if you can't connect with people, then you can have all of the knowledge in the world, but how are you going to help people? And so, I mean, wow. Lindo just has so many gifts. Like it's, mm-hmm. just, it's wild. Wild.
1: It's also rare that a scientist also shares in that way too, right? Yes. Like I mean, it, when I, I don't even want to say anything more. I want everybody to just listen to this, but yeah. it's it's very rare. And this conversation was one where I think my jaw was just like open all the whole time because I still can't believe that it just happened. Um, but I'm excited for everybody to listen and so, so grateful this time. Yes.
0: So without further ado, enjoy our episode with Dr. Lindo Bacon. Thank you, Lindo Bacon, for being here with us today. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. We are beyond excited for today's guest. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lindo, for sharing your time with us.
2: Oh, looking forward to kicking back and having some fun now.
0: Yes. Yes. So I didn't say this before we started recording, but I am on vacation in New York City right now. And I made sure with my husband, I'm like, we're packing (laughs) a library because I have a very important interview um, with one of my favorite authors. So we're going to start today's interview, Lindo. We love to just ask. It's a very general question, but you can take 30 seconds or 30 minutes to answer what makes you, you? And how did you get to where you are today professionally? So truly you could take the entire interview answering this question if you want, <laughs>
2: um,
0: but whatever comes up for you, we would love to hear.
2: Sure, I actually will try to keep this um, short so we can get on to some other things too. Um, what makes me, me? Well, for, let me um, actually focus professionally one of the things that I feel like I do best is I'm a translator. I'm a scientist, so I'm well-versed in all the scientific literature and I can speak that language. So I've got three graduate degrees behind me and in all, excuse me, in a lot of different fields. Uh, um, you probably just heard me hesitate a little. I'm having bad back problems. And if I breathe the wrong way, I get this sharp pain. So it, it catches my voice every once in a while, which is weird. So I just want to acknowledge that um, you'll hear that. Okay. So anyway, I can speak the scientific language and I've learned the stuff in three different disciplines. But what I like best is being able to translate that. So it serves meaning in people's lives and that's what I do in my writing that's what I do in my public speaking and maybe you'll see all that stuff in action today and I think that that is something that definitely makes me unique because I feel like the scientists don't do a good job often of making their work applicable or at least showing people how their work is applicable to making us to I'm sorry to having to us having um, better lives so that's one part of your question. And um, I've actually forgotten the other aspects. So if anything else is important to you, you can ask again, or we can move on. I love that. I think that's I too. <laughs> an amazing
0: answer. And it, it couldn't be more true. Because I think, you know, as Jenna and I are both dietitians, um, you know, in the nutrition world, sure, you can have a lot of you know, research under your belt or understanding or knowledge, but if you can't sit down and talk to someone about, you know, their relationship with food and hold space and all of, and, you know, really have that connection, then, then what is the knowledge, right? If you're not able to communicate.
2: So that was beautifully put. Exactly. And I think another thing that extends off of that is that, I try to be really vulnerable so that I can use my experience to kind of help everybody relate to whatever it is we're talking about. So before this interview, for example, I do what is routine before any I go into any kind of interview or public speaking. I take a few minutes to meditate and just clear my mind of anything else. So I don't have anything prepared in my mind that I wanna get across, but I switch into just being present in the moment. Um, Now, one of the results of that is I sometimes end up saying some rather stupid stuff because it's unrehearsed and maybe not so articulate. But I think too that there are so many advantages we get to Being able to be real with one another and to recognize that Hey, you know all of us have some kind of struggles that we're dealing with around whether it's eating or or body acceptance and We have common ground to relate to relate on and one of the reasons that's true is because we all live in the same toxic culture that makes it difficult for anybody to enjoy food and their bodies.
1: I was going to make a corny nutrition joke about how, as a translator, you're turning things into digestible information for people, but I feel like the time <laughs> has passed. Uh, <laughs> really. No, it works. Does <laughs> it still work? Okay, did that land okay? Um, I love the meditation aspect because it's something that when i was pregnant specifically was one of the only things that i tried to consistently do for like 5 minutes a day and i felt a lot of days that when i didn't do that i definitely felt the impact of that and we haven't had anyone on our podcast that has mentioned even meditation at all as a form of stress relief um so thank you for sharing that is there anything in particular meditation wise you follow any practices
2: i'm just curious <laughs> Mostly I just like to follow my breath. And for me, it's a way of just being in the present. And I actually, I don't find that med- that meditation works so well for me in terms of stress release. Mm. Um, and particularly if I'm having a stressful moment and I meditate, what it does is it seems to magnify it at first and But I think that one of the things that meditation has done for me is it's given me the ability to sit with things and not be reactive. And I think that that is one of the most important skills we need, particularly when we're talking about food, because like there's some people, for example, like if you some people that have eating disorders and may eat, um, When they get upset or, you know, some kind of strong emotion comes up, if they can find a way to just kind of sit with the emotion instead of immediately going to soothe it through food, there's something to be learned there. And that's not a skill that we're taught. Most of us don't learn skills of sitting with our emotions, and that's why a lot of us end up reaching to food and to other substances as a way of avoiding it. And I think the same thing happens in terms of um, having good relationships with people. If you're really reactive um, and you're coming and you you're not able to kind of have empathy for the other person and develop good connection. So for me, that's one of the strongest things that meditation has given me is that ability to kind of be in the present moment.
1: It's really powerful. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's such a great way you brought it back to, you know, food and, and being present. And it's so funny whenever we work with clients and, you know, as intuitive eating professionals it's, it's usually not about the food, right? It's, there's always something else. So, and as someone, I forget when I, where I heard this, I think it was on Brene Brown's podcast, but they were talking about um, how the average adult human has three emotions they can identify happy, sad, mad. And so that ability to really sit with emotions and identify them, that's something I was never taught. Like I just turned 30 and I'm now just getting in the pits with my therapist of being like, wow, okay. There's a lot of other things I can feel here. And so that, that is such a a beautiful point that you had of, of just bringing it back to like, what, what am I feeling and, and, and what do I need
2: in this moment? Right. And I think too, to make another connection to food, it, allows you to enjoy food more you know if you're if you're in the moment you're really tasting your food and you know you're giving it time to hit your taste buds and the message to go to your brain that this is delicious or this sucks and i don't want to eat anymore Mm -hmm. you know you can hear the food too i guess is an is another way of looking at it because you know, there's lots of reasons we eat, not, it's not mm-hmm. just for physical nourishment. It's not just to soothe our emotions. It's also for pleasure and, you know, a lot of other things that we need to honor.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So Lindo, I can't stop thinking about the question of how professionally, how, how, I'm assuming you didn't sit at home when you were younger and say I'm gonna write these three books right <laughs> like this is it like this is what I'm doing with my life. so how did you fall into weight research, health at every size now of course your new book radical belonging we want to get there but how how did that path come about for you?
2: Sure I don't necessarily consider myself a writer because I didn't set out to write um, like, my first book for example that came because of my own struggles mm-hmm. um and that also speaks to my whole professional career mm-hmm. food was so difficult for me and the way i have in the past learned to deal with emotions or learn to get through life is to learn more about it and kind of intellectually reason my way through and So really the only thing I knew to do was to go to school and study and learn as much as possible about food and eating to try to get myself out of the mess. And over time, I realized that I had learned an awful lot that other people could probably value, um, benefit from. And so then I just tried to document it. And it, the first book felt so successful and then after a while i realized that my views had changed a little bit so for example when i wrote health at every size i was very much focused on the individual and i didn't and so it was something that was very personal and i come from a lot of privilege and it didn't address issues of people who are less privileged, who can't just, you know, eat what they want when they want, and it, so it. it um, and I realized that the whole model of health at every size had to incorporate social justice issues, and we had to also recognize that um, that things like Racism play a role in eating disorders so That's how body respect came about was basically um, I wanted to correct what I felt like I had done wrong the first time around and I joined with another author who um, Who also works in the same arena to do that kind of work and then? radical belonging also was a book that I wrote not because I wanted to, it started out as a journal where I was basically just chronicling the challenges that I had with my own gender identity. And so at first it was a book that was just written out of pain and there was no science involved in it at all. It was very personal. And I was looking at it and I thought, but you know, that's not my experience of life pain, right? That's just one aspect. And um, my gender identity has also been um, a source of like beauty and wonder and uniqueness. And it's just given me great perspective on life. And it's also played into that translator role. Because I think my gender identity is, you know, somewhere on that non-binary spectrum where I feel like I know a lot about masculinity and femininity, and I can help people to bring that stuff together. So anyway, I then went back over the journal of pain and kind of looked at, you know, how did I get to this place where it's a celebration? And I added all of that in. And then part three was I recognized hey, I'm a scientist, you know? And what I also see in this is that the trauma that I experienced as a kid and feeling like I didn't belong is something that is biologically wired into a lot of us. Like a lot of us get those messages that we don't belong um, and it wires into us biologically and plays a role in how we act later in life. And what we also recognize is that all of us have a fear of rejection that also wires into us or is wired into us. I mean, that's not something that that just develops. I mean, it changes over time, but it's something that is part of being human that we all have. And then it causes us to self-protect, not show ourselves in the world, Anyway, I realized that there was so much science that explained my personal journey and that also helped to universalize what I had experienced because other people experience that lack of belonging in that very biological way, though it comes about for different reasons. And... So that's what radical belonging was intended to do Was it was intended to universalize the experience that many of us have of being left out and then help people to see to see, hey, but we can heal from this. And not only that, part of healing from it is something that needs to happen in community with other people seeing that the problem is not in you but the problem is in the culture and bonding around that helps us get out of the mess so i brought all that stuff together in in my final book radical belonging and um i don't know if you could read the subtitle of radical belonging to us i can't i don't have it memorized but i think it helps to bring across that point that i just made to survive
1: and thrive in an unjust world while transforming it for the better. Thanks. I'd say that pretty much nails it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was also blown away from the first page of of the preface of the book where you said, I write this in April, 2020 in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. And I was, I started reading this in May, 2021, like, not so far later where we're still in the middle of the pandemic and in here you've written just so much beauty to share with people during a time where I believe everybody can relate to a page in this book, um, which is really powerful.
2: Right. And I should just clarify that it was the preface that was written in Got April. it. <laughs> the book took me years and years to write. <laughs> but it is um, surprisingly, I think, in fact, it actually just won an award for being a book of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really easy for me to just go back and write that preface and just help people to make the connections to why it's so important today. I um, mean, certainly we can see the, that these social justice issues are in the forefront right now. Mm -hmm. Now they were always there. So that's why I was able to write about them years ago, but now they're in our face to see and to reckon with. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: Yes. And just thank you for your vulnerability in all of your books, like you said, using your own (laughs) personal experiences, but, you know, going through radical belonging and looking at some of the the different sections of it, there's just so many parallels where this can, you know, I know you said looking at your, your gender identity was where that stemmed from, but then even just looking at, you know, diet culture, right. And people struggling with their relationship with food or their relationship with their body using my own self. Um, I'm, I'm going through, you know, two plus years of infertility struggles and talking about, you know, the shame that's involved in that and the struggle of connection of, you know, there's so much in this book that I related to that I was like, they're not even talking about this, but this is what's coming up for me. And I think that it's, it's such a great extension for any of our clients that are struggling with relationship with food, with relationship with body, whether it's, you know, their sexual orientation, gender, race, like there's just so much of, you walk through all of the different stages that are just so important to sit through. And so just think, I, I just want to say thank you for your vulnerability because it it helps. It. I hope you already know this, that you've helped <laughs> thousands upon millions of people, but I, I cannot wait for more people to get their hands on this because I think it's, it's going to be so powerful.
2: Well, I certainly appreciate that acknowledgement in part because it's hard being so exposed in the world, and it, um, so I I need the reinforcement to keep coming back to me that it's important and it's valuable. Yeah,
1: and you've normalized, and you mentioned this when you were speaking about it just a couple minutes ago. But the normalization of fear to healing and how it's not a direct line and what is necessary to get to that healing phase and what that journey then becomes with incorporating more people with you. And, you know, it takes a village, right? And having that support network and helping people understand whatever it is that they're working through, that you don't have to do it alone. That's really powerful. Um One of the notes that we have on here too is, you know, you've discussed that the normalization of shame too. That's something that people need to hear more that it's okay to feel these things, but you don't have to stay there. And I know that this book gets into that as well, which is just, again, thank you.
2: Right, and I think a lot of people are surprised to know that things like fear and shame are biologically wired into us as survival mechanisms to keep us safe. You know, there's, there's a lot of value in them if we can work through them. And it's also what connects us to other people. And I know that when we feel ashamed of something, we want to hide it from everybody else because we really feel like there's something wrong with us. And yet it's so fascinating to realize that one of the, best and easiest ways to get out of shame is when you share it with others and you share that space and you realize that no it's not you that's messed up like you're human and this is what we all share in common so rather than judging one another if we can show compassion for each other and for ourselves we can make it through that so it's connection that heals us. Hmm. And it's, you know, and this is our humanity. We were meant to do this and we need to do this in order to survive.
0: It's so well Hmm. said. And I know for both Jenna and I do um, individual counseling with clients, but also group counseling. And I think I don't want to speak for Jenna, but I I know from what I've heard from her, but with our group counseling, that is some of the most rewarding work because we get to sit alongside our, our clients and they get to connect and recognize that they aren't the only ones that struggle with food or body. And I truly believe that that's more powerful than anything to know that you're not alone when you're, when you're really in the pits of that fear and that shame. And that's a big part of, of help being pulled out of that. So I, I I love that. And I think it's so important. And I know for myself, I've, uh, group connection is just so, so powerful and so important.
2: Right. And I think that a lot of people go into um, support groups or therapy groups with the idea of learning something concrete. And I don't think that's their power. I think that the power comes from just being there with other people and that's that's transformative and you can't really you often can't really point to anything in particular that was said but they can be so so healing as you're mentioning
1: it's the feeling that you get when it's over, when that meeting's over, when the phone call's over, when the Zoom meeting is over, um, when you're leaving that, right? Like I couldn't agree more that I'm in a group therapy program where I have no idea what we talk about, but what the feeling that I have when I leave the program, I'm like, that was the best hour of my month. Like that was it. Um, I really couldn't remember what we talked about last month at all, but that is just so powerful. It just it gives you this feeling, this emotion, this sense of belongingness that somebody else is feeling what you are that is so powerful and a book can take you there too Thank radical you. belonging by Linda
0: this Began. will go on youtube <laughs> <laughs> um, yes shameless plug that we will absolutely be adding this to all required reading um lists that we put out there so we'll we'll definitely close out with a few questions i wanted if it's okay to ask rapid fire of just, we have so, so many clients that we recommend reading health at every size. So I felt like I had to ask because I just want to hear it come out of your mouth because you are the author of health at every size. When somebody asks you, what is health at every size? (laughs) Like, how do you answer that very eloquently and like a elevator pitch way?
2: Um, You'd think that having written this book 13 years ago that I would have an elevator pitch down. (laughs) Um, But the fact is that the truth is I don't. Um, But I will, um, let me just see what I can come up with here. (laughs) Um, Health at Every Size is a way of acknowledging that we all deserve to feel good and appreciate our bodies and it gives us the means to um, get to know ourselves to trust our bodies in a culture that tells us we're not allowed to and it does that with the awareness that these issues are um, social in nature and are very much impacted by how the environment views us. So it has to bring in what we call the social determinants of health, things like ageism and racism and, you know, how dis- disability affects us. So, um, I think that the elevator bell must have rung a few minutes ago, um, but there's something for you.
1: That's perfect. I mean this it's your work is something that we Sam and I talk about with every client that we've ever worked with. so to hear that come out of I'd want to ride that elevator up and down a couple more times <laughs> with you to keep picking your brain because it's just so powerful. <laughs> It it,
0: it really is. And it's, it's a surreal moment sitting on a podcast with you, Lindo, because we, like we said, we, we use your work with every, everything that we do. And it's so, so important. And I feel like we so often just throw the term out there health at every size and use it. And I know people hear it on our podcast, but for them to be able to listen to this and hear Lindo Bacon state. Health at every size, it I think it's it's really powerful.
2: So that's that's really sweet. And I also want to give acknowledgement to a wonderful organization, an organization that has actually trademarked the name Health at Every Size. It's not me. Like Health at Every Size existed long before I wrote my book. So the name of the organization is a wonderful organization that you might want to join um, because it helps to bring you in like-minded community. And it's called ASDA, the Association for Size Diversity and Health, and they're doing a really wonderful job of defining health at every size, training people in it, and building community.
0: Thank you so much. That's such a perfect segue of putting together your Health at Every Size book, Radical Belonging, bringing in community, like-minded people. So it's a (laughs) such a perfect way, and and to show tribute to them as well. So that's That's perfect. As we close out this interview, we always like to ask Lindo, if you could leave the listeners with just one piece of information. So if they don't remember anything else from our podcast, they forgot everything we just talked about. What would you want them to remember?
2: Something that we didn't even talk about and even better. (laughs) This is something that I want us all to kind of work on offering to one another, and that is um, unconditional love. Like, and the ability to just kind of sit with someone, even if they do something that is wrong or bad or hurtful, and be there with them. And I think that the more we can do that, it helps us to understand that. We're all human, and I think it's going to help us to get over some of the problems that we're seeing today. And I want everybody to know too that you all deserve that. Like, your relationships should be giving that to you. You don't need to stay in relationships where you're not respected and valued. And even if, and we all have flaws, like. We still need the people in our lives to love us through them.
0: That was so
1: perfect. That was
2: beautiful. <laughs> we didn't raise our hands, Sam. Yeah, that I,
1: was perfect. <laughs> yeah, I me-
0: I needed to hear that today, Lynn. So thank you, <laughs> thank you for that.
2: Great.
1: We really appreciate your time, your expertise, and every page of every book that you've written. Um, for everybody listening, please make sure that you go out and get all three books um, and read them page to page. Thank you for sharing yourself with us today and for everything that you just gave us in this
2: past couple of minutes. Thanks, Sammy and Jenna, it was a lot of fun. Of
1: course, and
0: last quick question. If somebody wants oh, to find know. you. <laughs> And I, 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 we know where to send them, but where should they go, Lindo? If they want to know about you, your work, your books, where's the best place for them to go?
2: Well, if they remember my name, they'll do okay. I have a <laughs> website called lindobacon.com. Perfect.
1: Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there, and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves, and follow along with us on social at... What the Actual Fork Pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for a lot more fun. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on Auto Trader. They're really good at numbers. Auto-trader.